0: this is sean and you're listening to promise a podcast showcasing the heroes of tomorrow every episode is an exploration on the idea of promise itself whether that's the potential for success or the commitments we make to get there i speak with exceptional purpose-driven people on their journeys to change the world this week i host laura johnson founder of striven Striven is a community and platform out to make self development easier, whether that means through career progression or transition. Unlike our usual format, we first speak about the big transitions in Laura's life, how such changes shape us as humans, before diving into how Striven helps others with these changes. A shout out to Joe McCaddy, friend of the show and founding member of Striven, for the introduction to Laura. Apologies for the audio quality in this episode, I was carrying a little bit of a cold. But I hope you enjoy my discussion with Laura Johnson nonetheless. Today on the show, we welcome Laura Johnson, better known as LJ, founder of Striven. Striven is setting out to supercharge your career by giving you access to content and connections you need to join the dots to take control of your own career. LJ, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Excited to have you on the show. For anybody else who has not met LJ before, LJ actually has a podcast of her own called Striving and Thriving, which I will link to in the show notes. My very first time interviewing somebody who is also a podcast host of their own.
1: I feel like I'm a little bit more comfortable the other way around, so it's going to be interesting for both of us, I anyway. think.
0: Well, I'll try and do my best to make it comfortable for you as well. LJ, how would you best describe yourself to someone who hasn't met you before and what it is you're trying to do with Striving?
1: I think in terms of what we're trying to do with Striving, because I'll start there, is we're really trying to enable individuals to manage their own career. And I guess that kind of links to my background. I've always been in small business or startup. And then therefore, you're not always lucky enough to have someone in HR or somebody that's going to help you manage your career. I'm fairly stubborn, as we'll probably get into in this, but also I've always been fairly career driven. And I think I've been lucky enough to put myself in lots of very fortunate positions and have had lots of great opportunities because of it. And it's really around how do we enable that for other people? Uh, Because I think we are all capable of great things, but sometimes we need that push in the right direction or that support network to know that we can do that and we've got a safe space. And that's really where Striving come from. Touched on my career a little bit there. So I was actually just saying to someone over coffee, I accidentally did management and marketing at uni. I went through clearing in the UK. If anyone knows about that, picked the last spot at the last university and started uni 24 hours later, ended up in Jersey, my placement for marketing roles. So 2009, I graduated, height of recession in the UK. I was just really happy to get a job in marketing after graduating. Thought I'd stayed for the summer. I stayed for five years, had some incredible positions all within marketing intent. And I think that just found my happy place very accidentally. I feel very lucky that I fell into something that I really enjoyed. I'm really in that tech space. And that's been my career. Accidentally end up in Australia, as most Brits will tell you, and I'm sure we'll get into that. But I feel like being in startup is amazing and it's something I'm super passionate about, but I do feel like the career piece was lacking a little bit, particularly when I took my first step into management. So Striver really came out of a passion project of something that I needed. And then the more people I spoke to, the more people put their hand up to be like, that's great. Can I get involved? I think COVID probably helped us with a lot of that because a lot of us have questioned careers and we're not learning in the same way. And as we were saying just before this, we're also not networking seeing people in the same way either.
0: Excellent. What a fantastic introduction. Thank you. And you've just actually done a little bit of my work for me by introducing the next couple of topics that I wanted to chat about, which was how you actually found your way to Australia. Because like you said, you're from the UK. If anybody who's listening, you can probably tell from LJ's accent. What made you decide to move to the complete opposite other side of the world and what made you want to stay here
1: great question and i guess i didn't it's probably the really honest answer once i finished uni ended up in jersey for a few months uh, which was a bit of an accident but after five years of being a offshore hundred thousand person island i mean i had great opportunities and i'll forever be grateful for my time there but i thought you know what i'm gonna need to live in london if i need a big career in marketing like london's where it's at But after living on the beach for five years, the northern line and a commute every day wasn't exactly my happy place. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to go traveling. I never did the traveling thing. Let's do it. So I thought I'd go for a year. That very quickly turned into a three-year plan. So I was going to see friends in Hong Kong, see friends in Fiji and Australia. Then I had a job in Costa Rica for six months thinking I'd learn Spanish and I'd learn how to surf. I couldn't do neither of those things. Um, Still. And then I was going to go to Canada for two years. And that was the grand plan. Got to Australia. I just fell in love with Australia, to be honest. I came in October. It was beautiful. I think the weather had a lot to do with it. I was also living in the Central Coast. So I was genuinely on the beach every morning. I changed my LinkedIn profile to looking for work in Sydney and got a call from somebody saying, hey, we need a marketing manager with your profile. Do you want to come in for an interview? The interview was in a pub. Two beers later, I had a job and I started the next day. And then I stayed there for four and a half years really, I think it was a lot more about saying yes to things, but also being incredibly lucky with opportunities presenting themselves. And I'm also a bit of a believer that things tend to work out for the best. And maybe that's just like eternal optimism. And that's probably why I've got to start as well, because you just kind of keep thinking it's going to be okay. So I think probably being in Australia is a lot down to luck, but also just saying yes, as opportunities come up and having a bit of blind faith that it's going to work out. In terms of staying I just feel like Australia's been so good to me in terms of opportunities and network. And I can't imagine having a startup anywhere else. I also think it helps that if you've had a really tough day, you can go and jump in a beautiful ocean pool. At the end of the day, that's a kind of work-life balance that most of us will never experience. And I certainly would be getting if I lived in London. So I just think Australia is a fantastic place to, to build a life and particularly build a startup.
0: Excellent. All right. If we think about the decision to actually flip your whole life upside down and Come down under. There's an element of intuition, or I guess emotional gut feel, to taking that action. But there's probably also an element of calculation, and like this is it going to be a better decision for myself and my career? Would you say either of them played a bigger part in your decision?
1: I think marketing is always like half science, half art, and I feel like the same with these calculated decisions. And I think even with a startup, if you sat and wrote all the pros and cons of starting your own business. The likelihood is you'd never do it because the idea to not earn money and spend your life savings on something is a huge gamble that doesn't really stack up on paper. But most of us do it because we have this gut feeling that it's something people need and it's something we're incredibly passionate about. And we all want to do something I think that makes the world a little bit better place. So I feel like that's when gut takes over. I definitely thought things through and I love a pros and cons list as any of my friends will tell you because if there's any situation anyone needs a pros and cons list, I'm there with colored sharpies. I've got you. But I still think that your gut kind of takes over and pushes you in the right direction. I'm also just a big believer in making the best of what you've given. And whatever the situation, good or bad, and there's been plenty of bad over the last few years, what can you learn from it and what can you take? And then I think probably the last bit, I don't know, Simon Sinek and their infinite game. I love that because I always think long term and big picture. And like, yeah, okay, maybe it doesn't make sense this year. But actually in five years time, am I going to be really grateful that I took that opportunity and I did that thing? Uh, And I think if you can think about it like that, I think that's probably a good place to start as well. And maybe makes the pros of Qantas stack up a little bit more in your favor.
0: Yeah, awesome. And speaking of these enormous changes that you made to your life, a big life change like moving countries or potentially a smaller change like completely changing careers, for example, what kind of value do you think that gives somebody?
1: I think it's been amazing. And it it was something I was thinking about earlier. So during my time in Australia, I also accidentally spent 10 months in Canada. Oh, one of my friends was talking about it the other day. Toronto is my favorite city in the world and they were the best 10 months. I just had such an incredible time. And she likes to remind me that for every week of the first 10 weeks, I phoned her and cried because I was lonely and I didn't know people or whatever else the drama was that week. But I think what it really teaches us is how resilient we are, how much we could take on And actually throwing ourselves outside of our comfort zone really is the best thing for us. No one wants to be uncomfortable, right? Like you don't choose to be uncomfortable most of the time. But when you do, that's genuinely where the growth happens and really amazing things happen. And I think that's one of those things moving country or changing jobs teaches you because it's super uncomfortable for whatever that time period is. But then suddenly something beautiful really happens and you have this huge period of growth that I don't think that you necessarily get in a lot of other situations. I think the other thing with changing careers and changing country is that you tend to find your people along the way and you find those people that you really resonate with and have the same value set. I want to continue that level of personal growth or professional growth, which that away, I've definitely met some of my favorite people in random coffee shops, in random places. And then when you start talking, and you've both moved country and you've got all these different kinds of similarities. It's just a different connection And I don't think you'd necessarily get if you've always stayed in the same role or the same town.
0: And I have a sneaking suspicion. I know what your answer to this is going to be, but I'd love to hear it in your words. Where do you think entrepreneurship and founding Striven fits into all of this that you've just described?
1: I always describe Striven as a happy accident because it was one of those COVID things that I got pushed into. And I definitely didn't sit and think about it before, but I wouldn't change it for the world. So I think it was probably more of my gut was like leading me in that direction rather than I sat and thought about it but i can genuinely say i've learned more in the last 2 years than in any other job i'd ever have and i'm sure that will continue to happen i've definitely made more mistakes it's been an emotional roller coaster there's been more tears in the last 2 years than any other period and i'm sure that's not going to stop either but the growth has been huge and the people that i've met along the way have been incredible
0: wonderful before we actually dive into house driving works and what it does and all that sort of jazz one thing I'd love to cover with you is actually about the state of work and the future of work, especially given the current time that we find ourselves in, where there's a lot of conversations about how far will AI go in terms of being an assistant to us versus taking over the world, taking over our jobs, et cetera, et cetera, right? So if we think about even just the last three years since the pandemic has started, there's been enormous seismic shifts in terms of how somebody thinks about work, how we relate to our workplaces, people getting laid off or perhaps resigning of their own volition because they're expecting better conditions, etc. Thinking about digital nomads, golden visas in certain countries, for example. When we take all of these enormous fluctuations in work, what do you think people are really looking for out of work? And such a good question.
1: I think people are really looking for purpose. I do feel like that's one of those words that's a little bit overused at the moment, a bit like resilience and wellness that we talk about. But I do think people are looking for purpose because I think the last few years, really for most people have put a lot into perspective. As we were saying before, we've spent a lot of time at home by ourselves, which gave us a lot of time to think that maybe we didn't have before. And I think that's one thing where you're kind of really forced to look inwards take a step back. You've got all this time to really think about what you want. And I think most people want to make an impact in some way, shape or form. And then I think the other side is with all the shifts we've seen to mad hiring and everyone's getting paid crazy wages to redundancies and then this cycle that we're going through at the moment, nobody wants to feel like a number that's disposable. That's an awful feeling, particularly with the amount of time, cognitive and emotional energy we put into something. I think people want to feel like what they're doing is purposeful, and and even if it's one of those roles that maybe, you know, not a cancer, and that's what someone always says to me about, like, you know, put it into perspective, you still want to feel like you're making a difference, whatever that difference is. And I think that's one of those things, like leadership has really come out because that's how you can make someone feel really important, even if, you know, their job isn't making this huge seismic shift in the world, how can we make people feel like they're still purposeful and they have impact no matter what's happening around them?
0: Excellent. And... As I touched on earlier, the recent discussions of AI potentially replacing parts of our job, if not our entire jobs, and also balancing this with finding meaning in the work that we do, what do you think people need to consider when they're actually taking the step to take control of their careers? And if you were to give somebody some advice on thinking through that process and Applying their own intuition or their own calculation to that thought process. What would you say to them?
1: I think using AI as a step to their careers and kind of blending those two. I think it's working out what you're really passionate about and where you really want to spend time. I remember doing some work with a coach a little while ago and we did this strengths assessment, but the strengths assessment also told you where you got energy from because sometimes we're really good at things, but they don't give us energy. And actually, that's not a good thing. So, using that and when you know yourself that well, how do you use the things that give you energy and that you're good at? And that's probably going to be the stuff that AI can't do. So therefore, how do you then use AI to do all the tasks you don't want to do and automate all the stuff you don't want to do to make sure that you are spending that time where you get your passion and your energy from? And then also doubling down on those things then becomes a real superpower. And when you've got superpowers, people don't focus on your weaknesses in the same way, right? So you feel better, everyone around you feels better, and you end up in this really beautiful circle of things. So I think when it comes to AI, it's really around working out how you want to use it and then recognising the areas that it's never going to take over.
0: Fantastic. And if we were to get into the business of prediction, which, look, prediction is a fool's game, but, you know, why not? What do you think comes next for the future of work?
1: I think the future of work is a fascinating space right now. And honestly, if I had that answer, you and I would be having a different conversation. I think there's a few things that I'm seeing. So I think one is the whole hybrid work space is such a debate right now. For me, I think it's the way forward. I think offering people flexibility, letting people work the best way is the best thing you can do for businesses, not just from a diversity perspective but just in general. But I think that's going to be an ongoing topic. And I think people are going to probably sit in two camps for that for quite a while. And I think that's going to be an ongoing one. I'd like to think, and maybe this is my eternal optimism as well, that leadership will just be a really hot topic for a long time, because I think we're finally starting to realize the impact of individual leaders and the the impact they can have on their teams and the wider business. One of the runs I love to have around leadership is most of the time we get promoted to leadership because we're really great individual achievers. That does not mean that we're going to be a great leader. And most businesses don't bother training their leaders. And number one, that's really difficult as an individual to go through that transition. And I don't think we put enough emphasis on that. But then the flip side is the businesses are getting the most out of it. And while we're in a hybrid or fully remote or whatever world, I think leadership has become increasingly important and we're starting to get a spotlight on that. And I'm hoping that it means that we'll then start investing in that training in those individuals and there'll be a really positive ripple effect from that.
0: Yeah, awesome. And actually, just to draw on that thread just a little bit about leadership being an underappreciated space currently, is there anything else that you think isn't being covered that should be at this point in time?
1: I think there's a, I wouldn't say not being covered, but I think the idea of wellness, we're not quite looking at it the right way. And there's a few people that are, and I've had some fantastic conversations about it recently. But I think we look at wellness as this, oh, if we meditate and we do yoga twice a week, we'll be okay. No, it's really around how our workplace is set up. Are we being set up for success? Do we have the right leadership Is someone managing our workload? There's this huge impact that businesses can have on wellness that isn't a wellness budget and isn't telling me to meditate. And I think that is a really underappreciated space, although I do think we're starting to move in the right direction there.
0: Okay, cool. So let's actually dive into striving itself and let's see if everything that you've shared so far can actually materialize through striving. So if you were to describe Striven to somebody who's never heard of it before, what does Striven do and who is it really for?
1: I think that's such a test of my elevator pitch. And this is where everyone's going to come and critique me afterwards. (laughs) So Striven is a platform to enable people to manage their own careers by bringing together mentors, coaches, community and events. And I think therefore it is a little bit of what you make and what you're looking for. We don't all learn in the same way. And we're not all the same kind of social being. I was like, I'm a bit of an introvert. My best friend's a massive extrovert. That works beautifully between the two of us. Sometimes you need that balance. But again, it means we learn differently. We're up for different things. But I think by giving people the tools to find your own journey, make your own destiny, to be able to give them that, but bring it together in one space. Like at the moment, when we look at personal development, there's tons of platforms that do different things, but then it's up to you to try and bring that together. And I think when it becomes hard, people don't do it. I always use the gym analogy at that point, right? Like, I know I should work out more than I do, but I don't because it's hard. And I feel like personal development's the same. So how do we make it easy? But Then also, how do you find your accountability buddies? So where's your tribe and where are those people? And then in terms of who it's really for, we always set up to be for everybody in terms of knowledge work. So I really felt that this sat across product, design, marketing, HR, at the moment, we're just focused on the HR, talent acquisition, people and culture space. That's one of the beautiful things and terrible things about bootstrapping that you've got to kind of pick your niche and go from there. Although we are opening up to marketers in August. There's a wait list for that at the moment. And then in terms of within that, it's really for people that want to grow. And again, that's not everybody and that's totally fine. But if you know that, you know, there's skills you want to develop or network is important, career growth is important then I feel like we've got the community for those people. Or even if it's one of those, like you're super interested in a topic, dive in, dive back out, like it doesn't have to be forever. But I think for people that are really interested in career growth, leadership is super important to them and probably they're fairly values driven, then I think forever is probably in place for them.
0: There's definitely some pretty valuable partnerships you can build with people who are doing professional development or for example, taking one of those career change boot camps. Actually, just on that topic, I used to mentor at some of these boot camps, and one thing that I noticed was that many people who are going through this transition of changing their careers really struggle to quote-unquote network. And this is for a variety of reasons. Some of it is due to COVID and the lack of in-person events, but it does seem like kind of an intimidating thing to try and force your way into as an outsider. So how does striving really help in this regard?
1: I was having a similar conversation this morning um, where someone said, "You know, I keep seeing these people and I love them to mentor me, but how do I reach out and say, "Hey, you don't know me, but can you help?" And I think that's to your point with the networking is a little bit similar, like how do you put yourself in those situations? how Striven's designed to help with both of those scenarios is that if you signed up for the platform, you've already you've signed up to say that you're going to mentor in whatever topics they are for however many times. We can facilitate those intros, so it's a warm intro and it's a fit. When you sign up, you talk to us about what you're looking for, where you're at, what you're really interested in, how much time you want to spend. We can then match you with someone that has that experience or has a similar level of experience and also wants to talk those things. If you go to reach out yourself, I think in your head, you say, oh, there's going to be a no. Like it's that default negative. This is scary. We're taking that bit away. So we're making it easier. We're enabling that connection. And I think to, to a certain extent, there's already a match there because we'll make sure that there's enough in common that there's a conversation to be.
0: Excellent. And just on the topic of mentors then, One thing that I was very curious about was, at least from my personal experience, I learned how to shift careers in a world before COVID, and I mentored people trying to go through the same transition during COVID. And a lot of the learnings that I had from my experience didn't necessarily translate to a world where we all sat at home. Given that, as we discussed earlier, there have been all of these huge changes in how we approach work and deal with our professional lives over the last few years, where do you think mentorship actually fits in given past experiences don't necessarily translate to something that someone who's making this progress with their career might actually be facing in the current climate?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. I'll liken it to something again we talked about earlier. So I was talking to another marketer. She didn't go to university marketing. I did. And we basically then had this big discussion about the fact that I don't know if it helped very much. I don't know if me doing a marketing degree actually helped me be a good marketer because a lot of the channels and a lot of the things we were taught were from 30, 40 years ago. But then I think the flip side of that is there's always going to be the base level theory that you're going to need to know no matter what job you're in. And yes, okay, the channels and the execution of that may have changed, but the basics will remain the same. So I think, yeah, okay, maybe in a mentor relationship, and do you know what, marketing's a great example of that, of how much that landscape's changed. But it's about being how you empathetically solve someone's problem and how you execute that has fundamentally changed. And maybe that's the bit your mentor can't give you. But I still think someone can help give you perspective and can help ask you questions. They might not have the answers. Maybe they would have had a few years ago. It's not going to be like, oh, yeah, do you know what, Sean? You should do this. I tried it. It worked. Off you go. But they'll ask you the right questions help point you in the right direction, make sure that you've thought through whatever you're doing because they have that lived experience of what's gone right and what's gone wrong. And they'll be able to ask you smart brushes to point you in the right direction. So I think it's changed, but I still think the benefit is there. It's just maybe a slightly different kind of benefit or expectation.
0: What do you think has been the greatest success story that's come out of Striven?
1: Greatest success story? I think I find that a little bit hard to answer, but I think what I have been told a lot recently, I've had quite a few people message me recently around the fact that somebody believed in them and they did it at a point where no one else did. So they've attended a session, been given a piece of advice or they've met someone who really just helped pump their tires a little bit, I think, or gave them the space and gave them time to talk through what was going through when they didn't have that anywhere else. And so that might not feel like a greatest success, and it's probably why I found it difficult to answer, but I do think that's huge because sometimes that's all we need because most of the time, I think that's the wonderful thing about coaching as a side point, is that we have the answers, we just don't know we have the answers and we can't quite get to them. So actually just being able to know that someone has time and someone wants to back you is sometimes all we need to to make sure that we're successful or point us in the right direction.
0: The power of being a first believer, hey? Okay, so... That's more or less where striving is at the moment. One thing that is useful for our listeners to know is that you don't actually work on striving full-time. You juggle that with uh, multiple other roles, actually. So would you ever go into this full-time?
1: I would love to go into striving full-time, but I think going back to the earlier point, it was a happy accident. So I was never in the financial position to do it full-time. Fortunately, I think at the point where you know, Striven has a financial stability or I do personally, then absolutely. This was never created to try and sell something. I feel like striving is too much of things that I'm passionate about that I see this is my long term. And if I'm still doing striving in 10 years, then that's success to me. So, you know, to work on it full time would make me incredibly happy. But I also know I need to do that at the right time for the business and not just because selfishly, that's what I'd like.
0: Excellent. I'd love to hear an answer like that. You mentioned earlier that you're opening up to marketers in August. What are your next steps aside from that?
1: Yeah, next steps is a great question. Um, and there's lots. So at the moment, we're raising a small pre seed round, and that's really to bring on somebody in a part time product role. We've got some incredible developers involvement. They're fantastic. And I just want to be able to pay them to build out the rest of our prototype because we're such a light MVP. So product is going to be a huge piece. And building out or continuing to build out what we've got for HR people and culture and talent because We've done a lot in the last couple of years, but there's a huge amount for us still to do. And then really taking those lessons and putting it into the marketing community and making sure that we don't make as many, or hopefully we don't make the same mistakes. I'm sure we'll still make plenty of mistakes. But we don't make the same mistakes for the marketing community. We can grow that a bit quicker. Australia will remain the focus, I think, for probably the next year. I would then love to look at Canada. I also think the Canadian market is very similar to Australia, not just in terms of population, in terms of their split between resources and hold up for this stuff so I think that would be kind of the short term one of these is really just trying to bring more people with more expertise like being a single founder at the beginning is hard because you're trying to be good at everything and you're also trying to learn all these different things that you never know anything about like I have so much respect for product managers now I've had to try and do the role I am not a product manager and it's such a skill set it's incredible I do think it teaches you a lot of empathy being a single founder but you also have to very quickly realize what you're not good at And I think hiring for those roles will be invaluable to me personally, but also for striving to succeed and grow quicker than we have, because it needs to be more than just me. And we have incredible people within the team that are volunteering and doing a few hours a week, but I would just love them for more than a few hours a
0: week. So it sounds like there's definitely avenues for potential expansion in the very near future, especially if you close your pre-seed round. As you think about scaling across Australia, building a name for yourself and potentially growing into Canada as well. Do you think there's any dream organizations that you would really, really love to partner with along the way? Yeah, I
1: love this question. And yes, so many. Uh, We've actually just announced two partnerships recently, one with Bob, And I love Bob because I think they're one of the few HR tech companies that have done a really good job of brand and just be totally honest with who they are. It's also a fantastic piece of tech. They would have been on the dream list. So I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that they're one of our first partnerships the other one is Havas people which again do so many amazing things in that recruitment marketing space and they bring such a different perspective that it's incredible being able to partner with them and both of those businesses have this global footprint so they have all this data and all these amazing businesses that they bring with them and knowledge I think there's other businesses similar to that Beamery is a great example of different HR tech businesses that are doing fantastic things in their space and then I think the other partnerships I look at is incredible coaches and again we've got a couple of amazing coaches that have been on this journey with us from day one just really talking to us about content and i think more people like that i guess in terms of how you find them i keep going back to values but i think it's very much about people always greater if we try and do this together than if any of us try to do it by ourselves
0: wonderful and just to riff off of that if we were to fast forward you mentioned earlier that if in 10 years you could still be working on striving that would be dream come true for you well, what would the outcomes of 10 years of striving be like? If everything goes right for you, what do you think the world will look like?
1: I would love it if people just knew that they could manage their own careers and their powers in their own hands. I think too often we give our power to other people. And actually, if we all knew we could do this and we had people that wanted to support us and people that want us to succeed, I think we'd all live in a better world of work. Maybe that's overly idealistic, but that's where I'm at. In terms of striving, Like we're very much like, there's obviously a small team and everyone's working crap time right now. But we're whole female team right now, which is quite impressive for a tech company and a total accident, if I'm really honest about that. I've always worked in tech, so I would say my network of other women is not great, but somehow I've met all these incredible women that want to be involved in striving. So I would love us to have a business with strong female leadership, be truly diverse and be truly remote. The team that we've got right now, we've got someone in Barbados, <laughs> we've got someone in the UK, we've got someone in yes. I think we're already starting to do that, but people are really building lives and work that work for them, and I think that's pretty incredible. And I would love to be able to say that very honestly as a business that that's what we enable.
0: Incredible! And in order to be able to achieve all of those things that you want to achieve with Striving and, and with the world, what do you think you personally need to do to get all of us on that same journey with you?
1: Yeah, it's so much. But I have learned so much about myself over the last few years, and some of it is very confronting. I think probably the biggest lesson over those last few years, and one I need to take forward is getting out of your own way. I think we can all definitely suffer from self-doubt and imposter syndrome and, you know, why me? Why do I think I can do this? And all those things. And I'm sure most founders will tell you the same thing, particularly female founders, to be honest. And I think Striver would be in a much better place if I'd managed to get out of my own way a bit quicker. There's a book called Founder Brand. And I would have told you at the start of striving i would love everybody in the world to know about striving and i'd be happy for no one to know about me and i think the issue with that and the benefit of books like founder brand makes you realize that to begin with it is you and you have to put yourself out there and that isn't about you it's about your business and what you're trying to achieve and if you can detach it from being about you and you can attach it to that bigger purpose it's a lot easier to deal with so i think that will be my continual battle for a while and it's, it's probably the same for a lot of people And then I think, oh, just on that, it's just this consistent test and learn. I don't think there's going to be a day that goes by in these next 10 years where I don't learn something. And there's going to be lots of hard days. So I think it's just being able to look after yourself to be able to navigate that.
0: Excellent. All right. LJ, thank you so much for this conversation. I think that was a wonderful way to wrap up with a few lessons that you've learned about how you're going to approach all of this. The last thing that I'll get you to do is to share any social media or contact info in case perhaps someone might want to jump in on your pre-seed round, or perhaps there are others who want to take advantage of the networking and connection opportunities that Strymon might offer.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. In terms of social, so Strymon.io, so website, head over there and you can check things out. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, please do you're always welcome to have a chat with people particularly if people are trying to navigate where they're at in their careers. And then Striven has recently entered the world of Instagram. So we are at Striven on Instagram. And then we've also got uh, YouTube as well. So Striven on YouTube and that got lots of our recordings from different webinars and events that we've had going on as well.
0: Wonderful. LJ, thank you once again. That's it for today's episode of Promise. Be sure to subscribe to get the weekly episodes on your favorite podcast platform. Do you think you or someone you know would have ideas worth sharing? Send me an email to sean at promise.fm. Otherwise, subscribe and stay tuned to learn from tomorrow's heroes, and what we've got is promise.